Welcome to the Upland Nomads Podcast. Sit back and join us on our adventures. Welcome to the second episode of the Upland Nomads Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Mike, and I'm joined here again by Wyatt Peppel. First thing I want to do is I want to thank you guys for following us along from the first episode to the second episode. Even if the first episode did not have the best audio, I promise you that we fixed that and we both have mics now, so it should sound a lot better. I also want to thank you for helping us reach 100 followers on Instagram. So the first thing we're going to talk about, this episode is all going to be about our 2021 season recap. We started off with opening day. We grouse hunted up near Lake Sakakawea in North Dakota. One thing I have to note is that in North Dakota this year, it was a severe drought. It was very dry. So Wyatt, tell me, when we were talking about this hunt out by Lake Sakakawea and we were going there and we ended up actually scouting out in person other than e-scouting, what did you notice? I just noticed uh, short grass. A lot of it had been hayed and uh, just lack of cover. It was it was not good to see. Not very promising when we first got out there. Oh, I would say the same exact thing. I would say most of the plots that we marked while e scouting was hayed, and it was up, I don't know, two, three inches. It was about ankle high, and we're like, oh, that's not going to be very good cover. So we had a couple spots that we had actually marked that were still promising, but most of the scouting that we had to actually do was in person. We drove around, and we looked, and we tried to find birds ourselves, right? Yeah, boots up. Boots on the ground is basically how we found birds there, because oh, it seemed it seemed like uh, the, e- the more east we went, we did find some birds the day before, but we went to the next day, just no cover, uh, didn't find any birds. We went more north and west over where we had hunted in the morning and found uh, we ran into some coveys, so we did get our we did get our boots on the ground and found some birds there. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And this was something we kind of talked about in that first episode, kind of foreshadowing, right? So we did get into birds eventually. It took a little bit of time before we actually got into them, but there was a one specific uh, hunt or walk, I should say, that when we uh, walked it, it was probably the high of the trip. If you ever talk about getting high on hunting, this was something that had to do with that. And we talked about that it was a field of um, wheat that had not taken so it was about five, six inches tall, right? And that's when we were getting into the birds. And that first day we hunted, um, they weren't right in front of me. Most of the birds got in front of uh, Wyatt there, but we came into a covey of about what, eight, nine birds, something like that? Oh, uh, something like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of just, it was pairs of birds. So it'd be like two, two here, two there. And they held tight for us and we were able to get our birds that way. So. Yeah, that's true. And I kind of felt bad. So we were hunting with two other guys. We we're hunting with Wyatt's brother, Tim, and we were also hunting with my, our buddy, Sal. And uh, we were, Wyatt and I were both in the middle of this walk and all the birds got up right in the middle. So we were kind of the only ones taking shots right away. And we doubled up and Wyatt, you got a, you doubled up yourself, didn't you? In one of the ones? Yeah, right away. Right. Not far left. We got in there, we doubled up and then you and Sal ended up both getting one just a little bit later on and then i got my limit on the just at the end of the fence line on that first one. Oh yeah that's true so like 
when we were walking that, we got those birds. You shot two, and then we both doubled up, so I shot one. So you got two, I got one. You know, and then I don't know what it was, but uh, my dog, Willow, which we talked about in the first episode, she was going crazy, running around. So they always say, and by they, I mean just podcasts listen to, always follow your dog. So I was following her thinking, you know, she's on a scent. Maybe there's something we got to go to. And this is when Sal and I, we kind of split off of the line we were going into. And we went toward this solo tree we saw that maybe had like, I don't know, a 10-yard radius of taller grass, maybe like a foot, foot and a half around it. And when she was running towards it, I'm like, oh, God, there's got to be birds there. And we got there, and uh, grouse flew up a sharp tail. And then I ended up getting that one. And three seconds later, not even, another one got up. And then Sal ended up getting that one. So that was actually a, a pretty cool story of saying, oh, my dog actually brought me to those birds. But going off that, there was there was a lot of highs that had to do with that hunt. But there was also some low spots. And by low spots, I mean not, not finding birds. But we did a hunt where it looked so promising. There was, there was tall grass and there was evergreen tree rows. And we're like, oh, this has got to be the spot. But that was our first night we were there. And the only rain that came in, I have to say, it was about a month and a half, had to be that night. And it just downpoured on us. There was rain coming down. I was soaking wet. My dog was soaking wet. And I'm sure it's the same for Wyatt. I was soaking wet. My dog was still running. But, yeah, it was soaking wet. I think it was the end of the day. We've been rained on pretty much the whole day since it decided to rain for the first time in North Dakota that weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just that whole weekend, that was probably the only lull was we just, it happened to rain the whole weekend. It rained most of the afternoon on Saturday, and then we woke up on Sunday, and it rained too. But we also, Sunday, we did shoot six Sharpies out of this one field, so we did do good. Yeah, that's true. Even though we ran in some rain. And we recovered a hunt from the day before in a different field that we'd hunted, so that was still alive. <laughs> Yep. Oh yeah. I, yeah, that was true. Yeah, that that first walk there we did when it started to rain. That was just well, it was terrible because the rain. Don't make me sound like a wimp here, but you know I was getting all soaked and wet. But there was kind of like a diamond in the rough when it came to that. That's that field I was talking about in the first episode where I saw my dog first get hooked because there was hen pheasants coming up, there was young roosters coming up all in front of us. What about twenty to thirty pheasants probably came yeah. up in that total. And that was that one where my dog flushed up a hand and just ran after it and followed it, which, you know, you don't want your dog running off, but same thing as I knew that she was hooked at that point. So there was kind of like a diamond and rough with that hunt, but at the same time, it was kind of like, oh, I'm soaking wet. My clothes are going to be soaking wet. I'm going to go back to the tent in the morning. I'm going to wake up. They're still going to be soaking wet. So, um, luckily with that tent, though, uh... Luckily, our tent didn't leak, so all our stuff was still dry. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, your tent, your your tent held up pretty well during that rain. Like, I don't think I got wet at all when I was in the tent. So, like, it was it was, it was windier than all get out too. That oh day. yeah, it was windy and it was raining, but still we somehow managed to stay dry. So that Cabela's tent, right? Yeah, that tent ended up holding up pretty well. But even with that, you know, limits aren't the only thing when it comes to hunting. But that first day. We ended up shooting our limit, both Wyatt and I, of sharp-tailed grouse. And we got a feel for Tim and Sal. Sal shot one bird the whole weekend. Tim shot one Hungarian the whole weekend. So 
yeah it's true but so you know he could he could he could have probably shot more birds if he didn't bring out one shell a coffee and listening to k-fan in his back pocket and in the <laughs> yeah that is, when we were doing that one walk <laughs> that's that is very true with that uh yeah it also helps that michael and i have the dogs in front of us too so yeah that does for sure but i remember the first couple walks we did willow obviously it was her first time out hunting and she was she was pretty young but she would not get more than five feet in front of me she would run and then stop and look at me and then wait for me to come and then run and stop and look at me and wait for me to come but after a while after that i would say maybe after that first field we walked or that one where we shot all those grouse out of that's when she started getting a little more comfortable moving more and more out knowing oh i'm gonna try to find birds here for him and i had a year old pointer that never hunted sharpies before so he didn't know what the hell he was looking for. So he was just running wild. But by Sunday, he'd kind of got the hang of it and was was, was pointing out. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Um, in the end, though, we're talking about sharp tail season here. This first hunt, when it comes to sharp tails, this whole season where we hunted them, I would say that I probably saw the most sharp tails out of my life this year, this fall. I don't know about you. Why? What would you say? I probably saw the most too. I, but I never really targeted them before either. So I don't. I saw a lot, but I also hunted them a lot. So, you know, yeah, I can say that too. I guess I, I did know. that too. So I think next year will be a good gauge of, okay, how good is it? But I saw a lot every place it went to. I hunted pretty much almost all of North Dakota. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Cause like I haven't really hunted sharp tail aggressively before until this season, but maybe that's why. Like I've maybe done like a walk or two when, my uh, main bird I was going for was sharp tails, but so maybe that's probably why, why I saw a lot. I saw a lot of more sharpies this year than I had before. Yeah, you but gotta go came... with the slang, you know, sharpies. Oh, that's true. Sharpies, sharp tail grouse. So when it came to sharpies though, Wyatt kind of had a little vacation he took when it came to hunting sharpies. So why he ended up getting down, he had, you had COVID this year, right? I had the COVID this year and I had COVID last year. So to my bosses, I did actually have COVID. <laughs> I didn't just take a week off to go hunting. Uh, last year it happened during pheasant season, so I went during pheasant season pretty much every day after my symptoms kind of had uh, resided. So, well, this year I got COVID, and really the only thing that ever happened with me was I lost my sense of taste, and I felt fine other than that, but had to stay away from work. So, well, there's no other social distancing than you and your hunting dog going out hunting, so... That's pretty much what we did. We just stuck around home and pretty much every day we went out around noon or noon afternoon and we, we hammered the sharp pills. I'm just going to say we hammered them. Like it was, it was fun. My dog was really starting to pick up slamming on points, waiting for me to get there, tracking everything. I also did shoot a coyote during this time too. So that was not on point. That was not on point. Riggs Riggs looked at me like, "What the heck's in this bush?" And I only had my twenty gauge with, and I peppered him with seven and a half shot, and he went yipping into the cattails. So, but my main thing is was it was so hot, and I don't know. Riggs does not like to drink from a water bottle, so that's something we gotta work on, I guess. But he. uh he did good. The problem was just he wouldn't drink out of the water bottle. So our hunts were pretty short. It was hot. It was 70 degrees in the middle or end of September. So it was just a tough go of things. 
but we did get our birds, but we kept it short walks, relatively easy, not too strenuous, but we got our birds and we had a good time. So yeah, I can say the same because it wasn't this year, but last year I kind of had my own little COVIDcation, I guess you can call it. My sister, who I ended up, I was living with at the time, she ended up coming down with COVID or tested positive for COVID when I was on a hunt out in uh, Southwest North Dakota, I was hunting for pheasants and I was walking the field and I get a call and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to answer it. You know, my phone's vibrating. I just keep walking. And then it, it starts vibrating again. So I'm like, okay, it must be important. So I answer it and it's my sister. And she goes, Hey, I'm just letting you know, I tested positive for COVID. So they're going to call you and say you're required to quarantine because you're close contact. Cause that's when close contacts are really a thing and you had to stay home. And I'm like, well, I look to my right and I look to my left. I'm like, nobody's within 60 feet of me. So I think I'm good right now out here in the middle of nowhere, just hunting pheasants. And at the end of that hunt, I ended up staying out in uh, Mandan, which is right, right across the river from Bismarck. And at the end of my COVIDcation, you can call it, I uh, get a call from my cousin. He's like, hey, I heard it's your last day um, quarantining. I'm like, yeah, that's that's true. He's like, well, I'm out here hunting pheasants. Would you like to join us? And I'm like, you're damn right I do. So I grab all my stuff since I had it anyway. And I head out out there and we ended up shooting oh, six, seven birds that day. And I only hunted one day with them. It was snow covered ground. We had two black labs hunting with us. So this is before I had my dog. And the one lab had never hunted in its life. It wasn't really trained to hunt or anything. It just kind of came with, but man, that was an experience to see. So it wasn't my dog, but there was even a time where a rooster flushed up. We were just walking the tree line in a field. And we shot the rooster, it went down, and this lab that had never actually hunted in its life came back with the rooster in its mouth and retrieved it to us and retrieved it to its owner. And we're like, man, that was actually really cool to see. So with that idea of like the whole new pup hunting, not really hunting, when we were sharp tail hunting, it was that first kind of spot we got into a lot of sharpies is when uh, my dog Willow actually retrieved her first bird to me. It was a sharpie. And... We shot it. That was that time when uh, White and I doubled up and my dog ended up picking up the grouse and bringing it to me. And that was that was like a bittersweet story. It was so cool. There was actually no bitter about it. It was a sweet story. Um, was, just was to that tell the highlight her, of your season. Uh, it's got to be her first bird she ever retrieved to me. It's got to be the highlight of yeah. my season. It was so cool to see. She picked it up and she was I mean, she wasn't even pushing 17 pounds. Maybe she was still pretty small. She was about seven months old ish. Yeah. And she picked it up and it was in her mouth and it was just dragging a little bit. And she's just like, Oh, here you go. I got this thing for you. And I'm like, this is, that was great. And um, after that, we didn't really hunt much together. We didn't have any group hunts where we met up, but the big thing that everybody talks about is pheasant opener. Where are you going on pheasant opener? Everyone's excited about it. Uh, there's a little bit of a trick to this year's pheasant opener. Um, Michael decided to get married on pheasant opener this year yeah well you could say that that wasn't really my decision right but hey happy wife happy life so i got married on pheasant opener so i wasn't able to go out that weekend much as i wanted to we got married on a saturday we got married at like hmm, two three o'clock in the afternoon and i'm like and, i think i could make it in the morning could, to maybe shoot some birds <laughs> sal and i also couldn't go that's true opener either sal and uh, wyatt were both involved in my wedding so they couldn't go either as much fun as it would have been to go out and shoot some birds in the morning and then get married in the afternoon. 
I think it rained in the morning anyway on your first on your wedding day, so it really didn't matter. Yeah, it rained it rained early in the morning, but it kind of stopped by about like nine, ten o'clock though. And then it got yeah, kind of a little sunny. But something it was, like that. It was a nice day. It was a nice day. So it would have been nice to go out and but downpour right when we're going on the party bus. That yep, that is true. So there was maybe a break about what, I don't know, five, six hours. Now I'm obviously not gonna go pheasant hunting over my wedding. But we could have had an hour or two where we could have maybe went out and try to find some. Oh, birds. but somehow she somehow Megan lets you go the next weekend. That's true. That next weekend we ended up going to uh an area around Harvey. And it was my first time out there, and I think it was Wyatt's first time out there too. Yeah, Michael and I had texted earlier in the week or was a week before, and like, well, we should meet up since you're not going on your honeymoon like that week. Maybe we should go out somewhere for pheasant opener since we all missed it. And I was like, well, let's just meet up somewhere centralized. And we kind of decided on Harvey. There was, was a lot of public ground and places to camp. So we did that. And the weather wasn't too terrible during the day, but it got down there at night. And it was uh, it was brutal. I'm glad I had uh, my buddy heater along. That's, yeah, that's for sure. That's probably the, I would say that's probably the worst part of that trip. It's not really a bad part, but the worst part of that trip would be uh, the night's. Cause like I, I kind of said it in episode one, Wyatt and his brother were sleeping up on these nice warm cots off the ground, little elevated. I was sleeping on a little air pad on the ground and I woke up one night, middle of the night and I looked at the heater and I was freezing and I'm like, yeah, that heater's off. But I was tucked into my sleeping bag, trying to stay warm. I'm like, there's no way I am getting up to turn that thing on. So I threw a hat on my head. I'm like, I tucked myself underneath my whole sleeping bag and I'm like, I'm just going to try to stay warm this whole time. So uh, that night ended up going, it was a pretty long night for me, but Wyatt on the other hand, I think he slept pretty good because at about, you know, middle of the night again, I thought there was a chainsaw going off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he's not like my fiance. <laughs> but I would say that one of the coolest parts of that whole Harvey experience was getting to meet these guys that were from Wisconsin. There were some older gentlemen, but they had been coming out to that same spot every year for what, 30 years? Yeah, I think it was 30 years. We actually ran into them while we were hunting and they were they were quite the crew. They came over to our campfire a couple times and sat down and uh visited with Sal. I think Sal learned their whole life story and that. So that's true. Well, Sal can talk to just about anybody whenever he wants. It's kind of his like gift in life. If he ever wants to talk to somebody, he just gotta open his mouth and somehow he gets everything out of them. No. I wonder how he's going to be at Pheasant Fest because we might not be able to get to the next booth. Oh, that might be true. We're going to be stuck. Just going to have to leave him behind, maybe. He'll find us eventually. He's pretty good at that. <laughs> right. Now, with that, though, around that Harvey hunt, there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of birds around. We really kind of struggled to find the birds, no, I guess you can say. I think, the, I think the drought hit. We didn't know it at the time, but apparently the drought hit the Harvey area. Probably the worst in North Dakota. Like, they didn't get rain. Like all, and you could tell with the crops and that, but there would go along with that. There was a lot of hunting pressure, not just with us, but with duck hunters. But there were just a lot of vehicles around the whole weekend. That's true, and it probably didn't help that we were staying right next to this huge wildlife management area. But we were getting into birds once we kind of left that area and got kind of farther and farther away from it. Yeah, once we went a little bit farther west, we did find some birds, but we also ran to a spot that uh, a quarter piece that had uh, CRP, 
and we did fantastic on those. Yeah, that was the uh, the time that Willow decided to leave me and start hunting in front of Wyatt. She chased a hen up and then didn't come back to me and is like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by this guy instead. <laughs> she just knows I shoot the birds. Yeah, apparently. Because uh, when I try to shoot, I usually miss. And she's like, what are you doing? This is what I'm doing for you. You're supposed to shoot them and then I can get them for you. But um, after that, though, we didn't really hunt together for a while. But for me, I did a lot of solo hunts between. And for, I was trying to find spots, I guess, around home. Um, so I did a lot of e-scouting and I just went and checked out different plot areas around where I'm from, just trying to find birds with Willow for the first part. But I think Wyatt had a lot more luck than I did. Yeah, I, uh, the weekend after Harvey, I took a, another trip. I took a trip out west, the southwest, North Dakota, where my family and I hunt and I met up with some friends and actually one of michael's relatives but uh michael is on michael probably would have been there but he was on his honeymoon so i had to shoot all the birds for him <laughs> that's what usually happens <laughs> yeah not all the time uh but anyway we uh we have some people we know in southwest north dakota and we've gone there for i've gone there since i was a freshman in college so it's been six seven years now so and my cousin's been going there even longer. So we have some connections there. That's probably the only time of the year I actually hunt private land just because we have so many connections. And the first thing I noticed out there was spots that were so good in 2020 were just hayed, nothing left. But I remember there was an 800-acre piece that we just destroyed pheasants on. We shot our limit there two days in a row, me and my cousin and go back there i was like that's the first place we'll go there's crp cattails this year mowed down nothing so that kind of hurt so then i had to go knock on some doors of people we had got permission from in the past and and we didn't uh we actually i did i got that late on the one day so we hunted around the farmyard that we stay at and we got in some sharpies and a couple of pheasants, so it uh, it turned out to be pretty decent. One of the people I was with got their first sharp first bird ever, actually, that whole trip. So that was good to see. Um, then the next day we got on a pieces of private stuff and we did super good. I I mean I had super good luck and my dog performed really well and I was really happy with how he performed and. I think we shot, uh, it was seven or eight roosters, I think, and a few sharp tails here and there. And that was actually all for that trip because it was going to storm the next day. So we ended up taking off for home and I got to go to a wedding expo in Fargo. I should have just stayed out west. Hey, those Sorry. wedding expos, though, Sorry, they're honey. always fun, aren't they? The wedding expos? Oh, yeah. I think I was, I think I was one of five guys there. <laughs> but we were able to actually meet up a little bit later than that for one last little kind of hunt together, I guess you can say. We went out to uh, northwest North Dakota. So it was both of our first times out there, right? And we weren't, we weren't camping out there this time. We actually stayed in a little hotel because we realized uh, the previous hunt in Harvey that if it gets cold at night, it sucks. 
So yeah, we ended up staying in a hotel. And uh, well, Wyatt was out there before I was. I had uh, school I had to go to. So he was out there first. And I think he's got some pretty sweet stories about that. So actually, we that weekend we hunted with Mike, Michael's former boss and my boss. Michael and I actually worked together with the same guy uh, for my cousin's landscaping company that I still work at. And so I bought my boss, Taylor, and I, we left like 5 a.m. Friday morning so we could get out and hunt a little bit on, on Friday. And we ended up stopping a few places and we had one place we stopped, uh, say north of Minot. And I've never seen Huns like I've ever seen. Uh, we think we fl- we flushed twelve coveys of Huns, probably close to two hundred Huns, and I would say most of the majority of it was not the same birds. Maybe there was a few coveys that were the same, but we're gonna go with 12, 12 coveys of Huns that weren't, and uh, they kicked her. They kicked our butt all over that field. We <laughs> we shot three three huns out of twelve coveys and one rooster. I was gonna say though that whole kind of trip though we actually had, we had got into a lot of huns actually more than I've seen before in my previous years of hunting. Um, but there's always one story that kind of sticks out when I talk about Crosby, and that has to do about when we were hunting by that oil rig. Um, and there was kind of like a, a grass field CRP. So it's probably what, two feet tall. And Wyatt's dog Riggs was just going absolute nuts, running all over the place, head down point, run point, run point, like a running point. Right. And he tracked this thing. It had to be what, 10, 15 minutes before finally this hen pheasant actually flew up in front of him. And that was just crazy to see him actually work that bird that whole freaking time. Yeah, I uh, I was watching from the road after that two mile walk that we had before that to the cattails. I was like, yeah, Taylor, Taylor can chase after him. I'll just run this uh, his collar from the road. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after that two mile walk, I would, I would agreed with you. That was a tough one. But um, another cool story that happened there is our that boss Taylor. We were walking, and it wasn't a huge walk. We just kind of walked the outskirts of a little cattail slough with trees on the outside he ended up finding a moose carcass which was actually pretty cool because both of us we have not seen a lot of moose in our life and that whole trip we were seeing moose all over the place yeah i think we saw like a dozen moose especially the one where the moose were in the standing cornfield above the corn yeah we just kept counting and we're like oh there's one there's two oh there's three there's four there's five there's six and there was crazy the amount of moose we saw and to us that was I mean, I mean, to me speaking personally, I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause where I'm from and where Wyatt's from kind of right. We don't see a lot of moose. Oh, it's very rare to see a moose. So even while we but were apparently, watching, apparently not Northwest North Dakota, they yeah, have signs. Yeah, that is true. They got the moose crossing signs instead of the deer crossing signs. <laughs> yeah. And but, uh, another uh, good thing about that trip was, We'd, ne- we'd never been there. None of us had ever been in Northwest North Dakota hunting. Yeah. And first day, we shot three-man limit of both pheasants and huns. And what, I think we were done by 3 o'clock? Yep. Yeah, that's true. And then we went back and cleaned them up after at the hotel there. No, yeah, that was that was fun. That was for sure a fun trip. 
I just remember that uh, that one walk we had. It was a, a walk where we saw most of the pheasants, and we're like, oh, we see boot tracks, we see spent shells, and we're like, oh, there's not going to be birds here. Somebody's already walked this recently. Well, that was a complete lie. So we ended up seeing so many birds, and there was a rooster that got up in front of me five yards and before i had the chance to yell out rooster you heard bang and i just saw a puff of feathers and when i got that bird it was it was basically toast so we we tried to save as much meat as we could but it was pretty tough to cut around all the holes and destroyed meat on that thing i think michael was using double bbs on that one oh i know i wasn't using double bbs but i was using steel shot because before we went out on the hunt, um, when we were doing the e-scouting, we found there's a lot of uh, spots around the area that looked promising that ended up being the waterfowl production areas. And on the waterfowl production areas, we can't use toxic or lead. So we have to use non-toxic shot. So I went, up, I went out and bought a box of um, this black cloud. It was the only thing available at the Shields when I went. It was black cloud, and it had a mix of three shot and nine shot in it. And that's what I had in my garden when I shot that rooster. And that thing just, it destroyed it. And I was like, well, I probably should have waited a little bit longer for that thing to get farther away. But I don't know, I was probably just too excited <laughs> to see it flush up that close. I don't know what hurt worse, that bird or your wallet after you bought those shells. Uh, probably my wallet. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know yeah. if that bird so- felt much of all after that. <laughs> Yeah, so going back on like I was saying, we walked to this piece and it was kind of our, it was a Sunday and it rained in the, was it, yeah, it rained in the morning. So it was kind of, yeah. And we finally got in some birds. We we saw them there in the morning, but we're like, ah, whatever, we'll go there and haunted the one side. Well, then we happened, to, all the birds went over the cattails on the other side of the road. And then on the other side of the road, we checked to see, we're like, oh, this place isn't posted. So, we walked this, and in North Dakota, uh, different from a lot of places, if a piece of property isn't posted, you can hunt it. So we did our due diligence, checked to make sure it wasn't posted, and we walked it, and we ended up shooting seven total birds out of just those two pieces of cattails. And if we would have had more time in the day and not have a five-hour drive back to Grand Forks, uh, we probably could have had our last two birds so that's true and we even walked that piece we walked it all the way then we turned around and we walked it back and we still shot birds on the way back it was like those first roosters that we maybe missed the first time just sat until our way back and that's when they got up it was pretty cool but i still think that the craziest story about that whole hunt out there was the fact that we had a little restaurant bar in our hotel that was connected to it and we went there to eat one night and they said that they were closing because of short staff. So the clerk at the hotel ended up recommending this place for us to go to. That was the downtown of this small town we were in. And when we got there, it was, we walked in right away and we saw, all right, this is a gas station. And then we walked in, we're like, oh, they got movie rentals as well. Oh, they got a little ice cream parlor. Oh, they got a hot stuff pizza in here. And then you walk all the way through and you hit this little cafe and you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like and, a five in one. And it's also opening weekend of deer hunting in North Dakota. And it's the only place in town to eat and drink. 
And so this little place, hole in the wall, is just packed with people. And that's but true. Honestly, it was some really good food. I will agree that that food was so good. I got my jalapeno poppers right away. Now, granted, they were extremely hot, but they were so delicious. And the beer was ice cold. It was like almost ice forming on the mug. It was kind of like a diamond in the rough, you could call it. Yeah, it was definitely a dive. That's for sure. But same thing, though, it had great food and cold beer. I guess that's all we can ask for. <laughs> it was also really cheap. I think I had 20 wings for 10 bucks. That Yeah, that's true. I think my total bill, what did we have? We had two pitchers or three pitchers of beer? Three pitchers. Uh, three pit, yeah, three pitchers. I had jalapeno poppers and I had a uh, double bacon cheeseburger and I paid like 16 bucks. And I'm like, this, this is great. <laughs> yeah. But that was kind of the last hunt that we did together, almost like a send off of a season. But after that, obviously, we hunted uh, independent, independently, you could say. So with those independent hunts, you could say Wyatt probably had a lot more luck than I did, or maybe a lot more skill when it came to the hunting, because he actually did pretty well at the end of the season. Yeah, I, uh, I hunted hard around home. And once I'm done working landscaping in the fall, I kind of have quite a bit of time before I start my winter gig, as I call it. Uh, so I pretty much get to go whenever I want, but I have a few honey holes that I think some people don't think there's birds around, so they don't get hit that hard. And I know some others do because I work with one guy and he hits them probably every day. But uh, we had a lot of good luck just by ourselves. And a lot of it was crucial, too. We got some snowfall and each fresh snowfall was easier to find the next bird the only problem was towards the end of the season i was getting waist high snow but i also took another trip out southwest or annual like family hunting trip and oh gosh we we got some more permissions for some more land i think we we i think total we shot 52 pheasants in three days there was uh, six of us total, so not, no, eight of us total. Eight of us total, and we were there Thursday to Monday, so we weren't even close to our actual possession limit. We could have actually shot a lot more birds, but when we saw so many birds, it was crazy. I'd been out there earlier in the year, and I was like, ah, I don't think it's as good as last year. Honestly, I might just go to crop by Crosby again and maybe I'll do better but we took the drive out there and we we did well we shot 52 pheasants a couple of sharpies and a few huns and it was the most huns I've actually ever seen out in southwest North Dakota I've actually never seen any huns before out in southwest North Dakota and you know with family it's always a good time just the camaraderie just you have those long days in the field it was bitter cold but the beers were always a nice reward at the end of the day and just sitting around with family talking talking about years past and getting ready for the next day i mean that's one thing i enjoy about pheasant hunting is it's not like like deer hunting like bam we got to get up and go 4 a.m 5 a.m we got to be up and we got to be the stand an hour before daylight see i don't I don't mind waking up early, but I do enjoy the relaxedness of pheasant hunting, getting up at 
at the crack of dawn, have my coffee, eat my breakfast, and just driving around when it's daylight. So that was uh that was kind of the end of my season. I independently hunted, but I also had one of my best uh my favorite memory of the whole season was my last bird of the season. So it was day before Christmas. Riggs and I were on our way to Christmas at my grandma's. And we'd walked this piece. We'd walked before. We'd shot a few more birds out of the spot earlier in the year. And I was like, well, it's on the way. We'll just give it a shot. And, well, we walk in and I noticed Riggs goes on point on right next to this buck brush. And I was like, okay, we shot birds out here before. So there's probably one in there. And the only problem is I'm like 50 plus yards away and I'm in waist deep snow. So I'm doing the waddle, the crawl, try to get to Riggs before he see if he holds over before this bird bus. And honestly, he stayed pretty good until probably all the heavy breathing of the bird could hear the bird flush. And I made a heck of a long shot because I don't think I ever changed my chokes on my gun. I think it's still on improved cylinders. So it was like a 40 yard shot with my improved cylinder. The bird goes down in the cattails. And I knew it wasn't the greatest shot. Like he wouldn't wasn't stone dead. So we go and look and I'm looking, not seeing anything. And Riggs is just, you know, running around working it. And I looked and I was like, okay, it's been like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, I've I don't know where else he'd be. He's got to be in here, or else he just ran straight out of here into this next spot across the road. So I walk up to the road and I call Riggs back to me, try and call him off looking for this bird and here he comes out of the cattails he comes with the bird bird was still alive Riggs caught him he was running the whole time he was running around chasing the dang bird so that was the highlight of my season and actually the end of it because the last week of the season was just brutally cold it was 20 below uh and 30 below wind chill I just didn't feel safe myself or my dog being out there he doesn't have a lot of fur to begin with so i didn't want to put him through that yeah i know there's a couple hunts i went on after uh, that last hunt we went on and i did one with one of the guys there's that sal guy that we always talk about so it was thanksgiving weekend and i met i ended up meeting up with him it was i think it was the day before thanksgiving and we went out just for a a day and it was a spot that or area i guess um that i've never been to before but he had hunted. So he was trying to, he was kind of like showing me around. He was driving saying, ah, we got to go to this spot. We got to go to this spot. Yeah. I got permission to hunt this land. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just following along. So it's just me, Sal and uh, Willow. And for the most part, we did not see a lot of birds, but it was that same kind of thing. It was cold. It was windy. And it was kind of just kind of a brutal day of hunting. But the biggest story I have for that is on one walk, I ended up shooting two roosters. Well, you can say shoot. I shot two roosters, and I thought they were pretty good shots. You know, I shot them. I saw a huge puff of feathers come out, and then those birds never went down. They kept gliding and flying. They went farther and farther away. And at the end of that walk, Sal comes up to me. He's like, so you didn't get any birds, huh? I'm like, no, I did not get any birds. He's like, I saw you shot those two, though. And I'm like, yeah, but those things never went down. He goes, ah, 
He's like, gotcha. you got to change the ammo you're shooting. I'm like, or I just got to be a better shot and think I'm shooting good when I'm actually shooting good. Cause like, you know, it could have been a, could have been a good shot. And then it was actually just a terrible shot in my mind. So that was kind of the big thing from that hunt. I think we ended up shooting only one bird between the two of us, which isn't the biggest thing ever. It's not all about shooting limits all the time, but it's kind of about the camaraderie. We got to hang out together again. And cause we don't live close to each other either. So we got to hang out. We got to do some walks together. We got to get my dog out there. And on one of those walks, we ended up uh, flushing up. It was, I don't know, eight, nine hens. So there wasn't a lot of roosters in that one we did. It was kind of a little cattail slew. But you could tell she was getting birdie because she had a little helicopter tail going. And I'm like, oh, she's excited. I was like, Sal, get ready. And it was just hens. We ended up not shooting. But after that, that was the last hunt that I ever did with somebody. Uh, Will and I just ended up going together independently for the rest or solo, you can say, for the rest of the season. And it was kind of that same thing of trying to find new spots. And I was trying to get birds to flush up in front of her to where I could shoot and then she could retrieve them for me. So if a rooster or a grouse or a hun got up that was far away and not really where she was at, I kind of tried to restrain from shooting it which was tough because I ended up shooting a couple grouse that I didn't do. And I kind of had to point her to the direction of, Hey, dead bird over here. Come on. I walked towards it to where she could get it for me. But there was one walk I did that kind of sticks in my head. And I was up uh, Northeast of Bismarck and I was going down this minimum maintenance road and it was plots on both sides. I'm like, Oh, well, this looks good. And as I was driving and starting onto the plots, I actually flushed up in my car, a covey of, sharpies i'm like oh well this might be a good thing i flushed up a covey and it was about a half mile walk to the end of the plots so i got into the plots on the other side of this tree row so it's just me and willow walking this tree row and we ended up flushing up three or four more coveys and i think i saw a total of about 70 to 80 grouse that day and it was crazy for the most part they flushed up pretty early so i didn't really have a lot of shots at them but she was running around doing everything she was supposed to do. And there was one time they got up and there were probably 40, 50 yards in front of me. And I was like, well, screw it. So I took a shot and I ended up knocking down a bird, but that was really the only bird we got that whole trip. And it was that, it was another one of those stories of, well, I shot it. I see where it went down, but my dog didn't. So I kind of had to point her in the right direction of uh, where to go. And with that whole thing of like that bitter end, it was so cold that last week, even out here too, that I didn't feel like it was safe to go out with my dog. Um, I'm like, I don't want her going through negative 20 degrees with a negative 30 wind chill. So we stayed home, but it ended up warming up one day. And there's this plot that I've always looked at. And I'm like, oh, I've never really hunted. it. I've never walked it before. So I ended up pulling up to this minimal maintenance road. And I drive not a pickup or any type of SUV. I drive a, uh, a car, a Chevy Impala. And that thing can't really make it down any road that has a lot of snow on it. So I ended up stopping and I'm like, this is about as far as I'm willing to go before I get stuck. But we walked, oh, three quarters of a mile down this middle maintenance road to this little cattail creek bottom, I guess you can say. It used to be a creek, but there was no water in it anymore. And there was sign everywhere in the snow there was tracks i'm like this is this is gonna be a good one i'm gonna get willow on some some roosters here <laughs> and about 50 yards in i started noticing i'm like okay a lot of coyote tracks a lot of coyote scat all over the place 
And then we ended up finding a, a dead deer carcass in the middle of the cattail slough with just sign everywhere from coyotes. I'm like, that's probably why I'm seeing all the coyote sign. So we ended up stopping, not, yeah, about 50 yards in. I'm like, we're going to turn around because there's probably no birds left here. The amount of sign I've seen here, there's so much predator, so many predators around that the birds are probably left by now. So that was kind of like, I guess you can say that's a highlight of the end of my season because it was kind of a cool thing to see all that sign and then ended up finding that deer carcass with all the coyote sign and stuff around. But we ended up not getting a bird out of that walk. And that whole day, we ended up not getting a bird either. We saw some, but we didn't see a lot. So that's kind of the end of my season. And it ended there. But I know even at the starting, like two days after the end of the season, Wyatt and I were already starting to plan trips that we wanted to go on next year. So I know we planned a trip going back up to uh, northwestern North Dakota. And then we know for opening weekend, we want to go to north central North Dakota again and kind of up by Lake Sakakawea for uh, Sharpies. But why it's been planning this kind of special hunt? We watched a lot of, for those of you that do watch Upland videos, Eric Forrester probably has some of the best quality videos ever. And Mike and I both watch them. Both watched the flush too. Oh. And all we see early season, Montana, Sharpies, Huns, Sharpies, Huns. And we're like, okay, well, we got to go and chase some Sharpies and Huns in North. Or our plan is to go to Northeast uh, Montana. So if anybody actually has any insight on Northeast Montana, let us know. I'm going to say, because we're flying blind here. But yeah. And you can let us know on our uh, Instagram. We have a little link to a email we have for the upland nomads and it'd be nice to know some insight it'd be the first time out there and i know opening weekend we we're gonna have four days to hunt so one day to scout and three days to hunt but why it ended up having a wedding kind of like me on opening day of pheasant but i don't like to bring that up so we're not able to go opening weekend out in montana so we're gonna try to make a different weekend work but uh we it's might gonna be a to, shorter we might have to go opening we might have to go opening weekend of north dakota and we'll just go out there and we'll make a trip out by Sakakawea later on in the year. I mean, one thing about Sharpies is, I th- I my opinion is, I don't think they get hit as hard in North Dakota. Uh, people don't really pay attention to them. But pheasants, on the other hand, yeah. So no, I don't. I can agree with that. But with that Eastern Montana hunt, what I can say is, what's important is that whole kind of idea of using that Onyx to e scout though. I know Onyx was a huge thing for us this year because even before every single trip that we took together, we were constantly calling and messaging back and forth saying, hey, have you found any spots yet on Onyx? And for the most part, it was me looking, going, I think I found a couple in white going, I marked like 20. <laughs> so I, I sit on my phone when I'm going between jobs or and that's what I do. I e scout before bed. I'm just Onyxing. I'm just sitting there. Okay, what spot looks good? And then the nice thing is now with my so I sit in my bed with my computer and I look at 3D. That's a big thing too with Sharpies that I've noticed is they like to be on like high sides of hills and that. And you gotta find the right cover. So and the onyx allows you to do that. Actually, Tyler Webster from Birds, Booze, and Buds podcasts has a pretty nice video on youtube to sharpie hunting like e-scouting for sharpie hunting 
on his YouTube page. So I've watched that and tried to do my best to e-scout too. And I've actually messaged Tyler a few times to get some insight to where to go, where to stay away from. So, I mean, he will know who I am. But <laughs> yeah, at the same time to that e-scouting, I think it was, I would say about 85% of the spots that I was like, oh, it's going to be a good one. Ended up being hate because of the drought this year. And I'm like, oh yeah, this one's going to be a bust. <laughs> Yeah, and we if didn't even try told, it. If only they told us that. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. But you know what, Onyx does tell now. Now they have that update that tells you about the uh, the crops, right? Like what was there this year, and that's kind of nice to know. Another thing is that electronic posting that is uh, new to North Dakota this year because not all land needs to be posted with like a sign. Now you can post it online, and Onyx lets us know that. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah, that's a big save for us. And also at, at North Dakota, like we were talking before, if it's not posted, you can hunt it. So if it's not e-posted or posted by sign, it's basically it's fair game. So that's another nice thing about Onyx. So that we have always marked those spots down because usually private land is just a little bit better than public. So That's true, less people hunting. And that definitely came true when we were in Northwest North Dakota. We had that one guy's... It was one specific guy that didn't post his land with a sign and didn't post his land uh, electronically. And I mean, thank God for him. He he saved us. We saw so many birds on the lands we hunted. That was his. It was all right. Where else can we find where he owns? Because we know that it was not going to be posted. <laughs> yeah, and I say it, then every time we saw a bird, we we could have hunted more of his stuff too. And yeah, it seemed like every time we saw a bird, it would be like, oh. I wonder whose place this is. Oh, it's so-and-so's. Imagine that. And it, Not posted. It always ended up working out well for us. So, you know, I won't say his name, but, you know, thank you to that guy. And the one thing is, is we're not the only ones that, yeah, we're hunting some private land, but, like, every spot we went to that was posted or, or unmarked private land had boot marks, shotgun shells, so yeah. we're not the only ones that find it so that's for sure that's for sure yeah we pushed that one we did see a lot of boot tracks and spent shells and everything like that but we also got our birds so. true so they you know we must have done a better job than them maybe maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe there was just one guy and he got all his birds before he even walked all the way in hey you know that could be true too too so you know thanks to that guy for leaving us some birds i guess yeah, overall, I think just going over the season recap, honestly, this was my first, I touched on it a little bit in my last podcast, or the last podcast we were on, that devoted this whole season to upland bird hunting. I uh, usually pretty avid deer hunter, but we didn't really have anything on camera, so I just kind of was like, well, screw it. I'm not going to pay my $200 for my non-resident Minnesota tag and all, and we just Riggs and I just stuck to upland bird hunting. And honestly, when you get a dog, it's a game changer. It's I honestly I could I love carrying a guy. I like shooting birds. I love shooting birds. I but can agree just with watching that. him work and just figuring things out like is uh is just what makes it all like makes me come back. Just seeing him slam on point. Yeah, me coming out the flush of bird is uh, it's some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. 
I can 100% agree with that. You know, I've same with you. I've hunted deer before. I've hunted coyotes. I've hunted waterfowl. I've hunted small game. And there's nothing that compares to hunting upland game with a with a bird dog. I mean, even if like most of the independent hunts we did together, I shot one bird. Sometimes I shot zero birds, but I I still had the time of my life just out there with my dog, following her, watching her work. It was it was so great. And same with Wyatt. I didn't hunt deer this year. I didn't hunt anything else this fall except for upland birds, except for pheasants, sharpies, hunts, nothing. That's all I hunted this year. You forgot about our one trip that we got planned. We don't really have planned, actually. It's just an idea. But going back to Eric Forrester, we watched a lot of chucker hunting. And it might be in the works, might not, but... Maybe later in the season, we might have to take a trip to Wyoming. I wouldn't mind going to Hell's Canyon, but I wouldn't mind. I'd rather not have to drive for like three days. But <laughs> yeah, I can ride to Wyoming in one day. That's, that's <laughs> so true. Watching those Eric Forrester videos when he's in Hell's Canyon hunting the chuckers, that's just, I mean, you see some of his videos and you see the background, you're like, that looks fake. But obviously, you know, it's not fake and it just looks I mean, even the scenic view is just gorgeous. And I'm like, that would be so fun to chase some chuckers there. We're not, when we don't have chuckers anywhere we hunt. So no, no be, that's true. I, have, I started getting in chucker shape. I started working out maybe for the wedding, maybe for chucker. We'll see. Hey, nobody knows unless you say for sure. <laughs> I just say I'm bettering myself, but we all know what it's really for. <laughs> I'm just bettering myself so I can drink more beer at night. Hey not a bad goal either all right so with that again thanks for listening to the uh, second episode of the upland nomads podcast we appreciate you guys sticking with us to the second episode and the first episode and get ready for more to come so again thanks give us a follow on instagram and give us a like